Welcome to Over in Smith, a HP uh, Lovecraft podcast where me and my co-host Faith read an HP Lovecraft story, uh, mostly chronological, um, and we uh, you know discuss it. And also, we release a audiobook if it isn't too racist or just sucks. Um, my name is Jesse, and with me today is a uh, is a little cat that does not have a problematic name at all. Hi. Faith. I'm definitely not Hi. several cats in a sweater. I'm definitely a human person who loves to um, do human things, like eat hot dogs, read books. That just reminds me of that very powerful <laughs> photo of a cat just, just like, just, just holding onto a hot dog. Oh, just yeah, like, I love that picture. <laughs> it's so powerful. Like, I want to have as much power as that cat does in that very moment. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, oh, it's so good. You know, sometimes cats just have very powerful auras, and that one basically was just the one of the most it's powerful. So good. Um, yeah, but today we're going to be talking about a story which, um, you know, people remember because of a cat's name. Yeah. It's- yeah. Unfortunately, H.P. Lovecraft's uh, self-insert character's cat in this story has a very <laughs> problematic name uh and we will be changing it yeah um so uh, you probably uh know this because it seems to be one of the only thing people remember about hp lovecraft but this cat's name in the story is now going to be hp lovecat because you know plot twist the cat the thing is you the can self-insert do. character in the story <laughs> yeah yeah, it's a self insert. It's it's two self inserts. One is a is a cat soda. The other one is just him. <laughs> he was like, "What if I was a cat? This is what I would do. Cat things." Yeah, if if I was a cat, I would probably just you know let's 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 said uh, let's let's talk about what type of cats we would be because I know what type of cat I would be. I would want to be. I would want to hide in small places. Um, and I would, I would, uh, probably do lots of cuddles to the point where my odor would be annoyed. My human would be annoyed. Um, and I would, I would probably meow very loudly before food because that's what every cat does because they haven't been fed in 10,000. <laughs> I love the, um, the, um, comics of the cats being Victorian orphans. That's the kind of cat I would be. It's like, Mother, we have but skin and bone. She has not fed us. And the other cat is like, Mother cares for us not. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of cat I, I would saw be. This, <laughs> I, I, I saw that there is a, uh, a very mean prank you could play at cats where you could just get a really highly realistic uh, sticker of, a, of, of cat food and just put it on the bottom oh of the bowl. Oh my god, and just no. like, What the hell? <laughs> I will absolutely not be that mean to my children. I mean, I might be mean to Dexter like once. He was very mean to me this oh, yeah. weekend. Yeah, like if so. I was being a butthead. But, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. Normally, normally what I do, normally what I do when he's being a butthead is I breed him up and then I just like keep on kissing him on the forehead oh, until he yeah. wants to be, <laughs> until leave me alone. <laughs> I've done that to Mo before too. And you just breed them up, and then he's just like, I'd hate like, this. Also, I, wa- I never want to talk to you, Dad. <laughs> and then... Next day. Feed me, Father, yeah. for I am hungry. Well, no, five, five minutes five later, minutes most later. likely. Father, I love you. Please kiss my yes. little head. But 
don't know. He hates little kids. He's <laughs> he, he he just he wants he wants to be pet on the what I call his crest, but you know where the thing that tabbies and yes marmalade cats. I think it's like mermaid, something like that. It's, there's a specific thing for orange tabbies. Um, and uh, I don't know. Whatever. Let's we're gonna do this. we're gonna move on. And you want me to read my? I heard that there's a blurb. Um, the rumors are yeah. Correct. What's a blurb? <laughs> Okay, what's the blurb about? So it says, This story, perhaps the greatest of Lovecraft's first decade of writing, was written in August and September of 1923. Inspired in part by passages in S. Baring Gold's Curious Myths of the Middle Ages, written in 1866, and Fiona McLeod's The Sin Eater, from which Lovecraft has borrowed the narrator's final utterances in Gaelic. The story is the culmination of the hereditary degeneration theme in Lovecraft. The central idea of atavism, or reversion to type, may have been derived from Irvin S. Cobb's The Unbroken Chain, which was published in the Cosmopolitan in September 1923. But Lovecraft has much improved the idea. Lovecraft submitted the tale to the Argosy, but was rejected as being too horrible. <laughs> It, <laughs> it, found, it found a ready haven in Weird Tales, published in March of tw- 1924. <laughs> Being too horrible. <laughs> oh, boy. It's like when that one guy was like, hey, Lovecraft, I need you to write some stories for me. I'll pay you. But don't make them too morbid. And Lovecraft is like, no. <laughs> also, like... uh I love how it's just like, it was, you know, we, we're not gonna, this is too this, bad. We're not gonna, what, what do you do it? No, <laughs> no, get out of here. Gaelic, uh, no, 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 nah. I can't do that. Their vowels sound like consonants. The consonant sounds like vowels. Well, you know, it could be Welsh, which looks like a fake language. <laughs> But that being said, we're gonna we're gonna get into the uh, the rats in the wall Let's here. Let's so. do it. The rats in the wall by H. P. Lovecraft. On June sixteenth, nineteen twenty three, I moved into Exam Priory after the last workman had finished his labors. The restoration had been a stupendous task, for little had remained of the deserted pile but a shell like ruin. Yet. Because it had been the seat of my ancestors, I let no expense deter me. The place had not been inhabited since the reign of James I, when a tragedy of intensely hideous, though largely unexplained nature, had struck down the master, five of his children and several servants, and drove forth under a cloud of suspicion and terror the third son, my lineal progenitor, and the only survivor of the abhorred line. With this sole heir denounced as a murderer, the estate had reverted back to the crown. Nor had the accused man made any attempt to exculpate himself or regain his property. Shaken by some horror greater than that of conscience or the law, in the expressing only frantic wish to be excluded, in expressing only a frantic wish to exclude the ancient edifice, from his sight and memory. Walter de la Porre, 11th Baron Exum, fled to Virginia, there, and there founded the family which the next century had become known as de la Porre, 
Exam Priory remained untenanted, though later allotted to the estates of the Norris family. It much studied because of the particularly composite architecture, an architecture involving Gothic towers resting on a Saxon or Romanesque sub substructure, whose foundation was of still earlier order or blend of orders, Roman, even Druidic, or ancient Chimeric, if legends speak truly. The foundation was a very singular thing, being merged on one side with the solid limestone of the precipice from the brink which the priory overlooked, from whose brink the priory overlooked in a desolate valley three miles west of the village, Anchester. Architects and antiquarians loved to examine the strange relic of forgotten centuries, but the county folk hated it. They hated it hundreds of years before, when my ancestors lived there, and they hated it now, with moss and mold of abandonment on it. I had not been a day in Anchester before I knew I came of an accursed house, and this week workmen had blown up Exam Priory and are busy obliterating the traces of its foundations. Bare statistics of my ancestries I've always known, together with the fact that my first American forebearer had come to the colonies under a strange cloud. Of details, however, I had to keep wholly ignorant. I had been kept wholly ignorant through the policy of reticence, always maintained by the telepores. Unlike our planter neighbors, we seldom boast of crusading ancestors or other medieval and renaissance heroes, nor was any kind of tradition handed down except what may have been recorded in a sealed envelope before the Civil War by every squire to his eldest son for posthumous opening. The glories we cherished, the glories we cherished were those archived since the migration, the glories of a proud and honorable, if somewhat reserved and unsocial, Virginia line. So, so this is uh seems like. A lot like the beginning of uh, the facts, the facts concerning Alter, uh, Arthur Germain and his yeah. family, Arthur Germain and his family. Um, but without all of that, I hate, I hate all. I of hate the all of these fucking people. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just dunking on every single member <laughs> of their family. Fuck Arthur Germain. All my homies hate <laughs> Arthur Germain. And all his kids too. <laughs> Fuck him. Especially. Especially that one kid who, who like his dad like died for it. They just turned out to be a racist oh, yeah. asshole. <laughs> God damn it! <clears throat> yeah, but I I don't know. I'm liking what the hell they're setting it up yeah. so far. You they're know. like, yeah. So our family in uh, wherever England, I guess um, Ireland. Uh, yeah, like there was a a murder, a mass murder. And then they had to flee, and they were like, fuck this house, I don't want it. You could have it, government. Have fun. <laughs> During the war, our fortunes were extinguished, and our whole existence changed by the burning of Carfax. Our home on the banks of the James, my grandfather advanced in years, and had perished in that incendiary outrage. And with him, the envelope that bound all of us to the past, I recall the fire today as I saw it at the age of seven, with the federal soldiers shouting, and the women screaming, and the negroes howling, 
and praying. Oh, that's a cool. Okay, yeah. So he, he, they had slaves. Okay, cool. One. It was Virginia. Okay, I think right. they were aligned with the South. Yeah. Well, actually, I think Virginia no, was Virginia was a border north, state. but they probably hadn't um, given up their slaves yet, or they probably had servants. As well. Yeah, they probably did that. Thing. Yeah, you're technically not slaves. We're just going to treat you like <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> Close enough for us. Yeah, West West Virginia was aligned that's with the South. Right. That's why, that's we, why have a- we have West Virginia, that godforsaken place. The only thing they've given us are the McElroys and Mothman. Oh, okay. They've given us two of the McElroys and then gave us one really mediocre white man. <laughs> uh, Listen, <laughs> that's better than no. a lot of states. A lot of states have just given us either mediocre or terrible white men. <laughs> I, you know what? I would, I, w- I would go say this. Uh, I'm going to say that most of America just sucks yeah. right now. Yeah. Yep. And the great thing about that is I can say that and still like America. Because, you know, there's some cool yeah. people here. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, so, they probably, if they, they didn't they have slaves, slaves, they definitely had servants. My father was in the army defending Richmond. And after many formalities, my mother and I passed through the lines to join him. When the war ended, we all moved north, whence my mother had come. And I grew to manhood, middle age, and the ultimate wealth as a stolid Yankee. Neither my father nor I ever knew what our hereditary envelope had contained. And as I merged into the grayness of Massachusetts business life, I lost all interest in the mysteries which evidently lurked far back in my family tree. Had I suspected their nature, how gladly I would have left Exum Priory to its moss, bats, and cobwebs. My father died in 1904. Without any message to leave me, or to my only child, Alfred, a motherless boy of ten, it was this boy who reversed the order of the family information. For although I could give him an only jesting conjectures about the past, he wrote me some very serious ancestral legends, which the late war took from him to England in 1917 as an aviation officer. Apparently, the Delapores had a colorful and perhaps sinister history. For a friend of my son, Captain Edward Norris of the Royal Flying Corps, dwelt near the family seat and Chester, and related some peasant superstitions, which few novelists could equate for wildness and credibility. Norris himself, of course, did not take them seriously, but they amused my son and made good material for his letters to me. It was this legendary which definitely turned my attention to my transatlantic heritage and made me resolve to purchase and restore the family seat with Nori Shu, the reasonable figure, since his own uncle was the present owner. I brought Exum Priory in 1918, but was almost immediately distracted from my plans of restoration by the return of my son as a maimed invalid during two years that he lived, I thought of nothing but his care, even having even placed my business under the direction of its partners. In 1921, I found myself bereaved and aimless, a retired manufacturer, no longer young. I resolved to divert my remaining years in my newest possession. Visiting Anchester in December, I, I was entertained by Captain Norrie, a plump, amiable young man who had thought much of my son 
and secured his assistance in gathering plans and antidotes to guide the incoming restoration. Exam Priory itself I saw without emotion, a jumble of tartarine medieval ruins covered with lichen and honeycombed with rook's nest perched perilously upon precipice, and denuded of floors or other interior features save the stone walls of the separate towers. Well, that's depressing. So his son came back from war, um, probably like basically catatonic and injured. He had to take care of him for two years and then he died. Yeah, I'm just like, well, I have nothing else. I guess, I guess I'll go fucking I'll restore get- this stupid castle. <laughs> okay, now, see, this is more believable as, like, like in the moon bog, that one dude, like, would not let go of wanting to restore that one castle and drain the bog. Which I was like, dude, you're rich. Just go do something else with your time. But, like, this makes more sense. Like, if this guy doesn't want to let go of this, like, this is the only thing he has. Like, this is a good motivation for this. Yeah, this one makes a little bit more sense. Like, I felt like the Moonbog, like, that dude was just a fucking rich idiot. Like, he could have gone and done something else. (laughs) Wait, you just, you just needed to say idiot, just rich person, and then we probably would have gotten Yeah, idiot already fills in, usually. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, like, at least this protagonist has, like, a good motivation for this story. This is all he has left. He has nothing else. His wife is dead. His son is dead. Um. All he has is this stupid castle somewhere he's not familiar with. Yeah. Well. Well. Uh. Well. Good thing he has a nice little cat there. He has um, a kitty know. cat. I guess one of his son's friends yeah. is there. That's it. <laughs> yep. He has his cat and his castle. That's it. As I gradually recovered the image of the edifice as it had been when my ancestors lifted over three centuries before. I began to hire workmen for the reconstruction, and in every case, I was forced to go outside of the immediate locality. For Anchester villagers had an almost unbelievable fear and hatred of the place. This sentiment was so great that it was sometimes communicated to outside laborers, causing numerous desertions. Wilts, its scope appeared to include both the Priory and its ancient family. Masana told me that he was somewhat avoided during his visits because he was a Delapore, and I now found myself suitably ostracized for a like reason, until I convinced the peasants of how little I knew of my heritage. Even then, they sullenly disliked me, so I had to collect most of the village tradition through the mediation of Nori's. What people could not forgive, perhaps it was I, who had come to restore a symbol so abhorrent to them, for rationally or not, they viewed Exum Priory as nothing less than a haunt of fiends and werewolves. Oh shit, that sounds rad. I want to go to the werewolf castle. I want to live there. Take me to the werewolf. Yeah, take me to a werewolf I would like castle. to live in the werewolf castle with my cat. That would be very nice. Hey, what if a cat gets bit by a werewolf? Does it turn into a werewolf? <laughs> it just turns into a dog cat? on the full moon. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it turns into it, it turns into a fox. Oh my god. And then and then if a uh a dog is bitten by a were cat, they turn into a hyena. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> That's another thing. Wait, oh, okay. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. I wanna I wanna talk. I know I wanna do this. Cause you know how like technically, you know, most 
dogs are actually pretty closely genetically related. They're just, you know, manipulated to yep. look that way. Do you think it was some, do you think, uh, like, let's say we live in like a, a, a world where werewolves exist. Do you think people would do that for werewolves? Like, you know, instead of turning into big old wolves, they turn into like, you know, like a, something like a chihuahua or something like <laughs> there that. There is, because there like, is a comic somewhere about a guy that's like a, he's like this really handsome werewolf and he turns into a Pomeranian, like a uh, little white Pomeranian. <laughs> his girlfriend locks like, him behind I, a baby gate because i feel like that's what happened they would just turn into like i feel like that's what you would try to do if like like if you were like if you weren't like um super attached to the idea of being like a big bag wolf man or something you could, like that yeah you could just turn into like a a sheep yeah like you try to like you like i feel like you would try to do eugenics on yourself and oh your family God, i want to become a maned wolf just a fox oh. on stilts. <laughs> and then there of course they'd be like the the wolves the the werewolves that like breed themselves in the like 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 Irish wolfhound yeah. size. Yeah, like huge. Well, wolves are already really fucking big. No, Irish wolfhounds. No, Irish wolfhounds are like, or like a monsters. Or like a Tibetan mastiff kind of thing or a bear a uh, Russian bearhound. Yeah. Just big yeah. ass dogs. I, I, I feel like I feel like that would be what uh, what werewolves are. People who, I feel like maybe not werewolves, but p- at least people around werewolves would try to force them. To I, do. It would be cool if you could just pick what kind of like wolf you turned into or canine. Well, then I would just be a maned wolf. It's, yeah, I'd be, I'd be like, well, look at me! I'm so tall. Finally. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, it's cool. Like all those, all those, uh, all those all werewolves. Those werewolves. Oh, so another thing I was going to point out is this was also, like, another good um, motivation for this character. His son was really interested in this before he died. Yeah. His son wanted this to happen. Yeah. So that's also, like, a good motivation for this character. I would say, also, that this, so far, is shaping up as a kind of sad story. Yeah. I do um, like that he's very understanding of the villagers. It feels like in the past characters have been like, whatever, they're just fucking peasants. Who gives a shit? This dude is like, no, I get it, but also this is all I have left. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's uh so far so far the protagonist is shaping yeah. up well. Besides his uh taste in cat names. So far shaping yeah, up well. Like an actually um sympathetic Love HP Lovecraft character, yeah. which is wild. Which is really weird because most of the time I would not help. No, any except of them. for the the Gabo boy. Well, in in oh, the Gobble outsider. Boy. Also, also I will say, I would say all of the people in uh, the Colorado space were yeah. pretty sympathetic. But that was also written after so far, this. I feel like he finally was like, "Oh wait, if I make my protagonist sympathetic, people will like them." <laughs> <laughs> He realized if he stops being an edgy atheist, people would yeah. like him better. <laughs> Wild. Piecing together the tales which Inori collected for me, and supplementing them with the accounts of several servants who had studied the ruins, I deduced that Exum Prari stood on the site of a prehistoric temple, a juridical or anti-juridical thing, which must have been contemporary with Stonehenge. The indescribable rite that had been celebrated there, few doubted. And there were unpleasant tales of transference of these rites into Celebel worship, which the Romans introduced 
inscription still visible on the subcellar bore the unmistakable letters such as Div Ops Magna Mat, the sign of Magnameter, whose dark worship was once vainly forbidden to Roman citizens. Anchester had been the camp of the Third Augustan Legion, as many remains attest, and it is said that the Temple of Celebel was splendid and thronged with worshippers, whose performed nameless ceremonies at the bidding of Phrygian priests. Tales added to the fall of the old religion and did not end the orgies at the temple, but the priests lived on the new faith without real change. Likewise, it was said that the rites did not vanish with the Roman power, and that certain among Saxons added to what remained of the temple and gave it that essential outline which subsequently preserved, making it the center of a cult, feared through half the Heptarchy. About a thousand AD, the place mentioned in a chronicle as beyond a substantial stone priory, housing a strange and powerful monastic order, and surrounded by extensive gardens which need no walls to exclude a frightening populace. It was never destroyed by the Danes, though after Norman conquest, it must have declined tremendously since there was no impediment. When Henry III granted the site to my ancestor, Gilbert de la Porte, first baron of Exum, in 1261. I love this dumb orgy temple. I like how they're like, they're like, okay, guys, religion is over. We need to stop. And they're like, dude, we're mid-orgy. We can't just stop. And and then they just kept meeting up. They're like, man, I really miss the orgies when we used to worship the mother goddess. Do you guys want to keep doing that? They're like, yeah, why not? <laughs> Honestly, at so, this point, it's built into my schedule. Like, every Wednesday is orgy night, so I might as well just go. I don't have anything else planned. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, we also get food and stuff. It's, you know, it's kind of just a tradition yeah, at this point. We do a potluck. We all have sex with each other. I mean, like, yeah, might as well. It brings the community together. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so far I'm liking the way he's doing the history, yes, though, Yes, I here. do, too. Of my family before this date, there are no evil report. But something strange must have happened then. In one chronicle, there is a reference to a Delapore as cursed of God in 1307. Walt's village legendary had nothing but evil and frantic fear to tell of the castle that went up on the foundation of an old temple in Priory. The files, the fireside tales were of the most grisly description, all the ghastlier because their frightened reticence to cloud and cloudy evasiveness. They represented my ancestors as a race of hereditary demons beside whom Gelderets and the Marquis de Sade would seem very terrors and hinted whisperly at the responsibility for the occasional disappearances of villagers through several generations. Um, so, uh, real quick, um, if you want to hear just one of the funniest podcasts I've ever listened to, listen to the Dead Authors, uh, the Dead Authors, uh, pi- uh podcast for Marquette de Sade. Oh my god. <laughs> it has, it has, um, Andy Daly acting like a horny, sadistic Frenchman. Oh my god. And it's just... Yes. And while you're there, 
you might as well also listen to the L. Ron Hubbard oh, episodes, yes. also featuring. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that Hubbard. sounds so good. Oh, it's also oh, very that good. So good. Um, so you know. Also, the reason why it's called sadistic is because of Marquis yeah. De if Sade. you don't know, Marquis de Sade wrote uh, 120 Days of Sodomy, which is basically the birth of sadism. Yeah, he's also got put in jail multiple times uh, for poisoning yeah, hookers. Yeah, and uh, Giles de Retz uh, hung out with Joan d'Arc weirdly, and then after she died, he went on to become a child serial killer in France. Yeah. Um, also, another fun thing about Marquis de Sade, he wrote a book so sexy that everyone was just like, we can't let you exist outside of jail right now. <laughs> oh. It's like, oh my god, it's it's like Oscar Wilde. They're like, this book is too gay, we can't let you write anything else. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, uh, so that's pretty good. That's like a pretty good rep, you know, pretty good people to yeah. hang out with. When they said cursed of God, I was like, oh, what? Like, he's, like, unlucky? Like, I'm cursed of God. Like, what do you want from me? Fuck off. But now I get it. Now no, they no. mean that he was just, no, a, they were just a bad person. <laughs> like, yeah. cursed of God, like, they <clears throat> fell down the stairs once. Like, obviously God hates them. It's like, no, they've done a lot of bad shit. God definitely hates them. The worst characters, apparently, were the barons and their direct heirs. At least... Most was whispered about these. Of healthier inclinations, it was said, an heir would early and mysteriously die to make way for another more typical scion. There seemed to be an inner cult in the family, presided over the head of the house, and sometimes closed except to few members. Temperament rather than ancestry was evident, was evidently the basis of this cult and was entered by several who married into the family. Lady Margaret Trevor from Cornwall, wife of Godfrey, the second son of the fifth baron, became the favorite bane of the children all over the countryside, and the demon heroine of particular horrible old ballad, not yet extinct by the Welsh border, preserved in balladry too, though not illustrating at the same point the hideous tale of Lady Mary Delapore, who was shortly after her marriage of the Earl of Shrewfield, was, was killed by him and his mother, both of the slayers being absolved and blessed by the priest whom they confess what they dare not repeat to this world. Imagine, like, doing being so bad that the priest were just like, yeah, you could break one of the first, the first, first ten, commandments ten commandments because, yeah, they- just, you know what? They deserved it. <laughs> well, to be actually, you know what? Thou shalt not kill is like six. So I oh, think it should okay. be higher. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not the first. It's, it's right above like not wanting to fuck your uh, your your neighbor's <laughs> wife. As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't kill and don't want to fuck your neighbor's like, wife, please. You know what? Um, we know that you broke one of our main rules, but oh, oof. We'll just we'll overlook this you know what? one. Yeah, you get you gotta get out a murder free card. <laughs> you you, <laughs> you only get one though. Don't do this again. Unless it's one of those Delapores, you can do as yeah. many as you want of those. But God actually said this one was the exception to the rule. <laughs> God literally told us, like, no, wait, they're cool. 
that they deserved it. These myths and ballads, typical as they were of crude superstition, repelled me greatly. Their persistence and their application to so long a line of my ancestors were especially annoying, whilst the imputations of monstrous habits proved unpleasantly reminiscent of one known of scandal of my media forebearer, the case of my cousin, young Rudolph Delapore of Carfax, who went among the Negroes and became a voodoo priest after his return from the Mexican War. I'm just going to say, uh, Rudolph Delapore of Carfax sounds that fucking sounds rad. That sounds amazing. That sounds cool. He's just like, this is rad. I'm not, not only am I not going to fight the Mexicans, I'm also going to become a voodoo <laughs> priest with a bunch of people who accepted me. Why there. the fuck not? I'm going to learn some fucking voodoo. Does my family like yeah. it? I don't give a shit. So you know what? There's one good, there's one good one yeah. at least here. I do like that the main character for once isn't like, oh, this is all just some dumb peasant tales. He's like, oh God, that's really fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, this, this does take a different yeah, tone. He's like, damn, there's so many stories. It probably is true. Yeah. I'll, um, like, and besides the whole cat name thing, I'm wondering how this is going to pan out. Because so far, they're doing a pretty good job at, like, building. I'm hoping. Like, yeah, slowly I'm hoping building. this will take some of, like, I felt like Lurker uh, or the Lurking Fear could have been, like, it could have touched on, like, Hey, these uh these shitty rich people interbred because they're shitty rich people, and they're the ones that de- degenerated into this line of what they were like rat mole people yeah. instead of like mole dunking people. on the fucking poor people that lived around it. I'm hoping yeah. this more plays into that because he was like so close to being like, hey, actually, uh, you know what? The Habsburgs really fucked up. <laughs> rich people yeah. are fucked up. <laughs> it literally messes with your brain. Like your brain chemistry literally changes. Yes. Like I'm I'm hoping not, he takes he was like a step away from it in the lurking fear. He was so close. <laughs> yeah. We'll, well see. we'll see. We'll see with this one. So far, so far I'm liking the Yeah, tone I like the, the protagonist so far. I, I mean, don't if, hate him, at least. <laughs> I was much less disturbed by the vaguer tales of whales and howlings in the barren, windswept valley beneath the limestone cliff. Of the graveyard stenches after spring rain, a floundering, squirreling white thing which Sir John Horse had trod one night in a lonely field, and of the servant who had gone mad at what he saw in the priory in the full light of day. These things were hackneyed spectral lore, Now I was at that time a pronounced skeptic. The accounts of vanished peasants were less to be dismissed, although not especially significant in the view of medieval custom. Prying curiosity meant death, and more than one severed head had been publicly shewn on bastions, now a face, around Exum Priory. Okay, so, like, I get that part of him being skeptical about that. Like, that seems far-fetched. Yeah. I understand that. Also, yeah. the... And as the, you said, it, it is very yeah. acne. Like you can, He's like, what a fucking weird. Like, I'll believe that my ancestors did some weird cult shit, but this is a reaching a little bit. A few of the tales were exceedingly picturesque and made me wish I had learnt of comparative mythology in my youth. There was, for instance, the belief of a legion of bat winged devils that kept witches' Sabbath every night in the priory. 
a legion whose subsistence might explain the disproportionate abundance of coarse vegetables harvest in the vast garden. And the most vivid of all was the dramatic epic of the rats, scampering the scampering army of a scene of vermin, which birth which had burst forth from the castle three months after the tragedy that had doomed it a desertion. The lean, filthy, ravenous army, which had swept all before it, and devoured fowl, cats, dogs, hogs, sheep, and even two hapless humans, who was before its fury was spent. Although the unforgettable rodent army as a whole cycle of myths revolve, for it scattered throughout the village homes and brought curses and horrors in its train. Such was a lore that it sailed me as I pushed to completion, with an old obstinacy, the work of restoring my old ancestral home. It must not have been imagined for a moment. There's some potatoes in that garden. Obviously, there means that there's some uh, demons there. <laughs> well, fun... Fun fact, the uh, the Irish potato famine was caused by um, background from Peru. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. They, they that would, makes uh, perfect sense. They would use, yeah, they would use background uh, for fertilizer, which made a lot of sense because you basically had islands of them, like yeah. literally. You had islands yeah. of it. Um, they would bring it in and uh, there was just a, just a blight of like, there's just a that makes Just, uh, so much sense. Oh my god. Yep. So it turns out potatoes grow really well in Baguano oh, as well. well. There you go. It must not have been imagined. For a moment, these tales formed my principal psychological environment. On the other hand, I was constantly praised and encouraged by Captain Nuries and the antiquarians who surrounded and aided me. When the task was done over two years after its commencement, I viewed the great room. Wainscots, walls, vaulted ceilings, mullioned windows, and broad staircases with a pride which fully compensated for the prodigious expense of the restoration. Every attribute of the Middle Ages was cunningly reproduced, and the new parts blended perfectly with the original walls and foundation. The seat of my father's was complete, and I looked forward to redeeming at last the local fame of the line which ended in me, and I would reside here permanently, and prove that the Delapore, for I had adopted, again, the original spelling of the name, need not be a fiend. My comfort was perhaps augmented by the fact, although Exum Priory was medievally fitted, and Sentiers was wholly new and free from old vermin and old ghosts alike. I don't have it, but I wanted to just play a uh, foreshadowing <laughs> um, there. Right. Uh, that because, whole paragraph. You know, you know. Yeah, it's just like, hey, there's no vermin yeah, here. Yeah, there's no ghost. There's, there's no, no old ghost. So, yeah, it turns out that I also, uh, my wife, I'm about to have my first baby. I'm going to retire <laughs> in two days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 just everything. <laughs> but to retire in two days, my wife is pregnant. <laughs> There'll be a scene later when I die when she'll realize I've died because pregnant. Stupid fucking trope. <laughs> anyway. As I had said, I moved in July 16th, 19... 
23. My household consists of seven servants and nine cats, of rich latter species I'm particularly fond of. My oldest cat, H.P. Lovecat, who was seven years old and had come with me from my home in Bolton, Massachusetts. The others I accumulated while living in, with Captain Nori's family during the restoration of the Priory. Um, I love how he just <laughs> collected <know>. six more <laughs> cats. Eight more cats. <laughs> He just <laughs> sick. He's like, I love this place. There's so many cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have all this room. I might as well get oh more my cats. God. <laughs> okay, now I see the appeal of living in a giant castle. <laughs> they can have eight more cats. I would have so many cats. <laughs> For five days, our routine proceeded with the utmost placidity. My time being spent mostly in the codification of old family data. I had now obtained some very circumstantial accounts of the final strat of the final tragedy and flight of Walter de Lepore, which I conceive to be the probable contents of the heredity paper lost in the fire Carfax. It appeared that my ancestor was accused with the very reason of having killed the other members of his family, except for four servants, confederates in their sleep. About two weeks after a shocking discovery which changed his whole demeanor, but which, except by implication, he disclosed to no one save perhaps the servants who assisted him and afterwards fled beyond reach. This deliberate slaughter, which included a father, three brothers, two sisters, was largely condoned by the villagers, and so slackly treated by the law that the perpetrator escaped, honored, unharmed, and undisguised to Virginia, the general whispered sentiment being that he had purged the land of a memorial curse. What discovery had prompted an act so terrible I could scarcely conjecture. Walter de Lepore must have been known for years, must have known for years the sinister tales about his family. So this material could have given him no fresh impulse, had he then witnessed some appalling ancient rite, or stumbled upon some frightful and revealing symbol in the priory or its vicinity. He was reputed to be a shy, gentle youth in England. In Virginia, he seemed not much hard or bitter, and apprehensive. He was spoken of in the diary of another gentleman adventurer, Francis Harley of Bellevue, as a man unexamined, as a man of unexamined justice, honor, and delicacy. On July 22nd, heard the first incident, which was lightly dismissed at the time, takes on a preternatural significance in the revelation of to later events. It was so simple to be almost negligible. It could not have possibly been noticed under circumstances, for it must have recalled that since I was in a building fresh practically fresh and new except for the walls, surrounded by a well-balanced staff of servitors, apprehension would have been absurd despite the locality. I afterwards remembered, is merely this, my old black cat, whose moods I know well, was undoubtedly alert and anxious to an extent wholly out of keeping with his natural character. He roved from one room to another, restless and disturbed, sniffed constantly about the walls where its firm which formed parts of the old Gothic structure. I realize how trite this sounds. I realize how trite this sounds, like the inevitable dog of a ghost story. 
which always growls before his master. She's the sheeted figure. Yet I could not suppress it. I mean, I mean, the cat could have also just like, you know, was on. Yeah. One. Sometimes a cat is yeah, just on. Yeah, sometimes the cat just, um. you know, like, you know, I know what Dexter acts like most of the time. But, you know, sometimes he acts weird, then he just starts sometimes acting normal. Sometimes they just like get wrapped later. up in their little kitty feelings, and they don't know what to do with themselves. It's okay. Yeah, maybe maybe a cat was in heat outside. It was just like, it's like fuck gets- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I also like that this story is self-aware. It's like, I know this sounds fucking stupid, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is following a pretty common trope that you get within people telling ghost mm-hmm. stories. Where the first part is them saying, like, I don't believe in this normally. I know this sounds weird. I'm normally a really rational person. Um, and then, like, explaining everything it mm-hmm. could be. But then it involves in them, like, telling what they actually yeah. want to tell you. You know, it, this part gives you cre- uh, credibility, yeah. basically. This part is like, yeah, like, I at the time, this was really small and I didn't pay attention. But damn, I should have. Which is why Creepy Critters does not even go into that part. We just go straight to the deep end. And we're just like, yep, this is real. (laughs) The following day, a servant complained of restlessness among all the cats in the house. He came to me in my study, a lofty west room in the second story, with groined arches, black oak paneling, and a triple gothic window overlooking the limestone cliff and in desolate valley. Even and even as we spoke, the jetty form of H.P. Lovecat, creeping along the west wall and scratching at the new panels which overlaid the ancient stone, I told the man that there must be some singular odor of or emanation from the old stonework imperceptible to human senses, but affecting the delicate organs of cat, even through this new woodwork. This I truly believed. And when the fellow suggested the presence of mice and rats, I mentioned that there had been no rats here for 300 years, and that even field mice of the surrounding country would hardly be found in these high walls, where they had never been known to stray. That afternoon, I called on Captain Norrie, and he assured me that it would be quite incredible for field mice to infest the priory in such a sudden and unprecedented fashion. That night, dispensing, as usual, with the valet, I retired in the west tower chamber, which I had chosen as my own, reaching from the study by a stone staircase in short gallery, the former partly ancient and later entirely restored. This room was circular, very high and without wainscoting, being hung with a wrath, which I had myself chosen in London. Seeing that H.P. Lovecat was with me, I had shut the heavy gothic door and retired by light of elect, which so count- cleverly counterfeited candles. Finally switching off the lights and sinking into the carved and canopied four-poster with a venerable cat on his accustomed place across my feet, I did not draw the curtain, but gazed out of the narrow north window which I faced. There was a suspicion of aurora in the sky, and the delicate traceries of the window was pleasantly silhouetted. I like that he's just like, okay, cool. I have all these other cats, but this cat gets this to sleep. This is in my me. special cat. If I if if I can't go to sleep without I'm, this cat, I will I will go find this cat before. If this bed. cat is not laying on my face, I cannot sleep. I need his uh, soft tummy yeah, it's, near me. He, you can tell that he's writing about a cat that he <laughs> yeah, li- uh, that he likes in real he life. Loves. He's like, no, you must be sleeping now, on my feet. 
Now, uh, one thing that I also liked a lot, uh, that I like a lot that you see when anyone's writing about cats or dogs, Uh you can tell what their dog is or cat is by the pronouns they use because they're always talking about their cat or their dog. (laughs) Because I'm just like, it's just like, or, or you could tell how many cats they have sometimes, (laughs) not how many, but like you could tell if they have more than one. Um, it's real good because, like, just this next time you look when someone writes something about cats, like, see what pronouns they use. They never use them. They always be like, it's she or her. And they're, or you can he. tell that they're very specifically looking at their cat yeah, while writing like, it. You, you're going in this story. Yeah, you're, yeah, someone's going to look up, does my cat love me? And they're going to be like, yeah, you know, if it lays on you, like, and falls asleep, like, that's they pretty cool. They love you. They'd be like, yeah, you do that to me. <laughs> You there is a cat that is a you. co-author of a scientific paper. His name is Chester. Yep. And he's the co-author because the person that wrote it wrote we throughout the paper and did not want to change it. So they put their well, their yeah. cat as their co-author. <laughs> His name is Chester. He's like, a Chinese. Like, he's very beautiful. Uh, you know, just, uh, just next time you notice that. Next time you read a thing about a pet, just notice what pronouns they use for the cat because they're only talking about they their don't animal really talk about their right there cat. yeah like when i well because i occasionally because uh when i'm sad i look up hey does dexter actually love me definitely um, <laughs> uh, i mean he does definitely obviously. um no he's an angry cat but he, he likes me um uh except when he but see i go i go from like i love you you're perfect to like fuck you, you dumb cat i hate you so much <laughs> like very like I switch between the two, like, real quickly. It always ends up on, I love you, you're perfect, and everything you do is just the best. But, you know. Yeah. You know. Um, but, uh, but yeah. That's cool. You can tell he's writing about a cat. See, uh, I also read, okay, so this is another thing. But I also did a, uh, so I'm doing, doing another, uh, podcast, which is going to be called White, White Ring, Right Wing Reading Corner, or Right Ring Reading where uh, me and Fiona are going to be breaking down uh, stuff that generally radicalizes people with a leftist uh-huh. perspective and be like, yo, this is kind of dumb and this is why, you know, to kind of capture one person. And I was reading about this, uh, this eco-fascist who was just like, who at times would write for pages, literally pages about like how much he loves cats. And I'm just like, you fucking love cats. and I love it. I love how much you love cats, but also you're a Nazi. Can, Can you, you shut up, please? Off? You're not allowed to like cats. <laughs> that reminds me I have to tell you something after the podcast. I don't want to do it now because it'll take up a lot of time. <laughs> About an okay, eco-fascist. Everyone, don't be an eco-fascist. It's, don't be very, a Nazi. it's the easiest thing to fall into. No, it's it's legitimately, it's what the Nazis used. It's what Nazi people used to like. Indoctrinate people. Get you. Radicalize them. Like, it, it gets... It radicate kids. It's the easiest way to say like, yeah, humans suck and animals rock. Like it's really easy yeah. to do. You can already hear people say that. But you know, well, what I mean, I mean, some humans must be worse than others, right? Right. Yeah, it's um, a slippery so, yeah, slope. Don't be eco fascist. Do like just don't. Like you know, when you say stuff like, hey, there's too many humans, or hey, you know, maybe humans are the problem and stuff like, it, or, you know, it's normally not. It's normally capitalism that's the problem. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Because, like, most people are actually pretty chill. Or, like, people are most having people too many are. babies. It's like, actually, no. Birth rates are declining no. all over the world. <laughs> no. 
Also, 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 like, we throw away enough food to, like, feed the entire world in America yep. every day. Like, every day. It's not like a, like, we have more than enough yeah. food. Um, we figured out how to pull nitrogen out of the air to make almost unlimited food. Yep. For everyone. There's more than enough food for everyone. It's capitalism is a problem. Um, so, here's my daily uh, rant about how capitalism is the <laughs> my, reason why everything sucks so bad. About because how it's bad true. Capitalism is. And also, don't become a Nazi. Because, yeah. Also, you don't need to be like a capitalist to be a Nazi, but capitalism does fold into Nazism. Yeah, Nazis love capitalism. You don't need to be, but it folds into it well because it's a whole exploitation and there's a racialized element. And I'm not going to get into this. It's a whole thing. Faith. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's hear more about this. This ghost story. At some time, I must have fallen quietly asleep, for I recall a distant sense of leaving strange dreams. When the cat started violently from its placid position, I saw him in the faint oral glow above, head strained forward, four feet on my ankles, and hind feet stretched behind. He was looking intensely at a point in the wall, somewhere west of the window, a point which my eye had nothing to mark it. But towards which all my attention was now directed, as I watched, I knew that H.P. Lovecat was not vainly excited, which the erratas actually moved, I could not say. I think it did, very slightly. In a moment, the cat had jumped bodily to the screening tapestry, bringing the affected section to the floor with his weight, and, and exposing a damp, ancient wall of stone patched there by the, by the restorers, and devoid of any trace of rodent prowlers. H.P. Lovecraft raced up and down the floor at this part of the wall, clawing at the fallen errata, and seemingly at times trying to insert a paw between the wall and the oaken floor. He found nothing, and after a time returned warily to his place across my feet. I had not moved, but I did not sleep again that night. In the morning, I questioned all the servants and found that none of them had noticed anything unusual, save the cook who remembered the actions of a cat who had rested on her windowsill. This cat had howled at some unknown hour of the night, waking the cook in time for her to see him dart purposely out of the open door down the stairs. I drowsed away the noontime, and in the afternoon I called again on Captain Norris who seemed exceedingly interested in what I told him. The odd incident, so slight, yet so curious, appealed to his sense of the picturesque and elicited from him a number of reminiscences of, of local ghostly lore. We were generally perplexed by the presence of rats, and nurses lent me some traps and parish green, which I had the serpents play in strategic lo localities as I returned. My god, parish green. <laughs> Sorry. They didn't, uh, they didn't mess around. They didn't mess around back then. If you don't know, Paris Green used to be a dye that Victorians put in everything. It is also a very effective poison. <laughs> it's yeah. incredibly toxic. But yeah, Victorians love that shit. They put it in dresses, they put it in food, they put it on toys that they gave to children all over the place. But yeah, in later years, it became a very effective poison for uh, vermin. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they they found a bunch of dyed green rats that were dead, and just like, wow, 
Wow. That worked. Yeah. Also, yeah. like, I don't get why they don't understand how there can be no rats here. Like, if you're importing anything, there's probably rats within your crates. If you're importing from somewhere outside of, like, where you're at. Especially if it came on a ship. Also, I will, I will tell you this. Unless you are actively, unless you're actively cleaning every nook and cranny like a like a restaurant would, mm-hmm. if you're in any large building that has like even a crumb of food, I can guarantee you you're going to have some roaches and mice. Yep. you're always going to have it. It's just like yeah. look at office, like look at office buildings, like you'll see it. Like, oh my there's, god, warehouses like, are the fucking worst. Warehouses, office buildings, um, uh, like, 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 uh like schools and stuff like that they always have roaches and rats because um you could tend to hide them really well yep. hide that the fact that you have them really well but they always have it because that because that's just what happens mm-hmm. unless you're cleaning every nook and cranny like you would with a restaurant yeah there's there's gonna there's bound to be rodents of some kind some kind of pests yeah and it's not like it's not like mice are like with bugs where they have a nest where you can just set something out and like just have them like you know bring it back and then all to of them the eat nest. it and they yeah. die eventually. No, they're gonna figure out. Hey, this kills you. I'm gonna find another way. Yep. Like mice and rats are pretty smart, actually. Um, like yeah, yeah. That's why like a lot of modern breweries are employing mousers because it's just easier. Yeah, that's also why. That's also one of the reasons why people accepted cats so readily as well. Yeah, that didn't worship them. Like it was just they're good mousers, and like you barely have to feed them most of the time. They get rid of most of the mice and rats, mm-hmm. and also you get to you know sometimes pet them. Yep, a lot so of uh, monasteries would keep cats uh because a lot of them also brewed beer so they had a lot of grain around yeah so it's good to have cats around yep. because they're semi-feral and they'll destroy local populations of birds rats and <laughs> also also cats have uh stray cats and domesticated cats have uh um decimated they cause the extinction of most multiple bird and rodent yep uh, like yep. species like they're you know which is why, which is a good, which is like kind of a good idea to keep them inside. Oh, yeah. No, you should definitely always keep uh-huh. your cats inside, both for the safety of local wildlife and for the safety of your um, cat. Yeah, especially because cats aren't apex predators. They're middle predators. Yeah, so they are they, easily they, predated upon. Yeah. Um. Also, also for, uh, also I had a cat that would bring us like dead possums every oh, once in God, a while. Oh, God, that's like, right. About the size of it. It also it brought us a dead cat before as well. Ugh. Like it was just it was just it was like, hey, is there something bigger than me? I'm gonna kill it. I'm gonna, com- and that, that I'm was gonna just commit cat. a homicide. <laughs> like it literally, like it literally brought the like the like like it was just a cat that would like mess with the uh, the kittens that were in our garage all the time, and it just straight up killed it. Well, like go. it was just like, oh, yeah, shit. yeah. It was a very protective. It was a very protective adoptive father. There you go. Also got a lot of a lot of possums and you know yeah my aunt and uncle had a cat that would kill rabbits yeah Yeah, so you know inside cats are a good idea and maybe you should spay and neuter oh definitely you can also have more than one cat in a small area pretty easily as well yeah they don't need a lot of space in fact they like small spaces because it keeps them safe okay that being said sorry we're getting getting, we're into cat talk right now last paragraph let's do it last paragraph before part before we end the episode i retire early being very sleepy, but was harassed by dreams of 
the horrible sort. I seem to be looking down from an immense height upon the twilight grottoes, knee-deep in filth, where white-bearded demons, swineherd, drove about with this stuff, with this staff, a flock, fungus, flabby beast, who appearance feared me with an unutterable loathing. In there, as a swineherd paused and nodded over the, his task, a mighty swarm of rats rained down on the stinking abyss and fell to devouring beasts and man alike. Ooh. So, so far, I didn't count, but I was, I was I had to replace four times, so... <laughs> Do, do we want to put an inward count? <laughs> <laughs> I just was thinking about that. Yes, um, let's do it. I think it was, we'll have to go over it. I'll, um, but let me see. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna count it. Let's count. My eyes are very attuned to slurs, so maybe we'll see. <laughs> they can find a slur a mile. I can smell a slur a mile away. So yeah, we're not going to like be ranking it or anything. No. Because we're not done with it yet. No. But let's talk about what we've read so far. I really like it so far. It's a solid, spooky story with a protagonist I actually like. Well, I mean, besides its very unfortunate naming of cats. Yeah. Uh, it helps that we're changing cat, it. <laughs> the, cat, the cat is a cat insert of the actual Yeah, author, of so. H.P. Lovecraft's actual app. <laughs> cat his his seven-year-old black cat do you think whenever he was starving he was still feeding his cat rule because oh, i don't whatever i'm not doing well i still feed my cat oh, very well definitely i do not doubt so, it at, at all in my mind I, I sure hope his cat was like given to someone when he died of stomach cancer i bet one of his didn't he have one a, of his friends took care of him didn't he have a niece he, i think so okay yeah and, because the niece is where the uh, rights went to and they never um yes yeah, she, she never bothered to do anything with she them. never she never bothered to do anything, which is why all of his stuff is in cop. Is uh, now which is, public uh, domain. Out of copyright. Yeah, there is some. There is like some th- argument that like the last few stories aren't in it, but there's no like. I think you can argue both ways. Yeah, and there's no estate that's going to claim it at this point. Yeah, no estate. Yeah, there's no estate that's going to claim it. So, so whatever. Um. Yeah, he probably like, gave it to one of any- his friends. He had a cat when he died. Yeah, because he had enough. He he was. Enough there. To, he had enough there to um um to actually uh he had enough like lucidity to know you know if he was dying he would, oh yeah he'd be like yo take care of my cat like it hadn't it was like so this is what happened he had stomach pain he went to the doctor the doctor was like you have stomach cancer it's stage four it's too far along to treat and then he died I think like six months to a year later. So it hadn't metastasized, he didn't have, like, a brain tumor or anything. He was fully cognitively there. Um, I think they basically gave him pain meds, and they were like, you have, like, a year to live, good luck. Well, I don't know. I I don't know what to do at the end of the the part I know, right? It's kind of hard, because we can't rank them. We can only talk about how good the story is so far. (laughs) Yeah, so I will say, if you do some very clever editing... Uh, so far the first bit is pretty good. It's um, very good. You can good. tell that it's doing, you can tell that it's doing a ramp up of uh of horror and everything, and involving a cat or just an animal in general is always a good way of doing that. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and the the history that you have of it is like you know it plants a little idea in your mind. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Um, spooky. Yeah. Um, and then you know, 
you also know that it's called the rats in the wall. So you're just like, what's going on? Probably rats in the wall. Or is it rats? Dun, dun, dun. Spooky. All right. Well, I I don't know. How do we end this? Do Uh, you want to do plugs and all? I mean, do you? I mean, I don't know. This is going to be coming out a week after. Okay. So we should probably do plugs. We'll save plugs for the- We'll save plugs for the last part. I mean, whatever. But for now, uh, yeah, we'll be reading the second part soon. I'm excited to see where this goes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to see too, because so far it's written- I think it's written pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think people from the uh, people from the uh, people from the past uh, just don't know what good horror is. Yeah. Well, no, they said that this was one of this was one of his best uh, stories. Yeah, but it was, but it was, but it was like not given. But it was not. He oh, had to go to his old haunt. That's the right. Terror. Yeah. When they first rejected it. Yeah. What the fuck? This is really good. <laughs> I don't know what those. Whoever at the Argos he was talking about, this is a good story. Yeah, join us next week when we read the rest of the story and maybe eat our words. I don't know. There, I hope there's uh, more cats. Yep, there's at least one cat yeah. that we know. Of, so, okay, bye. Bye bye.